Welcome to the Danger Gnome Podcast. I am Unculus Nomez, and we are here to fill your ear holes with some interesting stuff. This uh, this particular episode, we feature the men's winner of the 2019 Iditarod Trail Invitational. His name is Tyson Flaherty, and he is out of Fairbanks, Alaska. We're going to get him on the phone and ask him questions that we solicited from previous ITI champions and from some of our readers. So that is coming up right after this. Mark your calendars for Sunday, April 28th, when FatBike.com, in cooperation with the Bike Black Ribbon Society and the Church of Two Wheels, present the Rockin' Beach Funduro. Join us for Fun on Bikes in Port Washington, Wisconsin. There'll be a beach ride, derbies, two live bands, beer, barbecue, bikinis. Check out the flyer in the show notes for more information and join us on April 28th for Fun on Bikes. The Danger Gnome Podcast is brought to you by the Bike Black Ribbon Society. Please welcome to the radio program the 2019 Iditarod Trail Invitational Men's Champion, Tyson Flaherty. Ah, hi guys. Uh, long-time listener, uh, first-time caller. Oh, wow. Well. Uh, yeah, no, I've, I've never got to call in before. It's kind of exciting. Well, we didn't, uh, in our little pre-talk before I hit the record button, I didn't even check and I... I, uh, the pronunciation of your name. Did I get it right? Tyson Flaherty. Oh, yeah, you nailed it. Right on. Okay. Because it isn't, yeah. it's, when you, when you look at the spelling, it's like, yeah, I could get Flaherty out of there, yeah. but, mm, yeah, no. Gaelic. Yeah, well, a lot of people, <laughs> mis- yeah, a lot of people misspell it and that throws them off. But no, you got it. You're good. Right on. Well, I just wanted to congratulate you first off for the awesome, huge win at the ITI. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. It was uh, kind of a, a lot of thought and a lot of kind of just winging it, I guess. <laughs> well, this wasn't, this is probably your third or fourth or fifth year doing that? Oh, no. That was my second. Second year. Okay. Um, I did it in 2016. I was uh, second behind uh, Tim Bernston. Gotcha. And uh, that was another fast year. Tim went under two days. And I was just over. and uh, But that was kind of my first, like, oh, shit, what are, what are we getting into? <laughs> <laughs> but it was a yeah, pretty similar year to this year, so that, I think, helped. So kind of traditionally when we interview ITI champs, we pose questions from to the new champ from old champion previous champions and the first few questions we asked for a couple of questions of course kevin breitenbach he had sent like 15 questions so the first uh, <laughs> the first batch of questions here is from kevin his first question is how does living in fairbanks help you prepare for the iti well i guess i mean kevin's kind of like part of that answer I mean you got kevin and jeff and jay cable and i mean there's been a long list of I mean, going all the way back to Rocky Reifenstuhl and some of the other Fairbanks legends of this sport and really kind of people to look up to and people to kind of learn from or ask questions about the trail and so you kind of grow up kind of seeing what these other guys are doing. And so, I mean, that's kind of just access to these guys and just seeing them on the trails and so... And between that and, I mean, we have a lot of pretty kind of long, lonely, dark nights and awesome trails. And it's, uh, I think there's a lot of advantages just like, I mean, you get most of that race is kind of lonely and that's how I train. So it's, Hmm. uh, you're not really too surprised by the conditions anywhere. And you're used to the, you get the harshest winter conditions there in Fairbanks. We do. I mean, I think there's a lot that we don't get, though, like wind. Like, it's hardly ever windy here. And, like, if we hit some major wind and drifting snow, I mean, that's not what we see in Fairbanks. So Let me let me rephrase uh, that and say, you guys get the <laughs> most splendid Arctic conditions. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I couldn't do without it, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, we see a lot of winter, and we see a lot of cold weather, and I think just being comfortable with that is uh, um, 
um, is really kind of what what makes it all work out. Cool. Well, another question from Kevin is, what's the biggest difference between being competitive in the ITI and winning the ITI? Well, I, I mean, it's, I'm, I like to race. And I mean, it's, there is a difference, I guess, between whether you're going at it to kind of be, kind of do your best and be strong and fast versus like, taking advantage of every second you can out there. Um, and I think that's kind of how I've been. I mean, really like when I raced the last time with Tim, I learned a lot from him and just spending most of the race, well, two thirds of the race with Tim and seeing how he goes through checkpoints and how just efficient, um, you have to be. And you don't really, um, you're just looking for every, I mean, every second, every minute that you can potentially make up on someone else. Like, and if you get any kind of advantage, you just have to go for it and you got to take some risks. And I think that's kind of where the difference is. It's kind of going a little bit outside of what you're comfortable with and kind of seeing how, whether it's how deep or how far you can push your sleep and, um, and kind of not really you kind of have to wing it and you have to go, yeah, kind of go beyond what you're, you're comfortable. And I think that's really the main thing. And I mean, every race is going to be different on how that kind of gets, um, how that kind of populates out and where, what that risk is. But I think, um, and that's really kind of what I've found in these races is you have to be, you have to risk blowing up. You have to risk getting tired and getting cold and hopefully not injuring yourself. Um, so, yeah, and I mean, that goes down to just, like, what, what gear you bring and how much, like, okay, so you're not going to, you're going to take a chance and maybe, I don't know, not bring much of a sleeping system. or. I, mean, I saw your bag so. on the front of your bike looked really a, a lot smaller than many that I see. Uh, that was a zero degree bag. I mean, it was kind of, it was enough if I was going to really have a problem. Like I made sure to have a good fire building kit. So, um, I, I didn't have much backup, but I mean, it's also just, I mean, that's part of the risk is like, well, I'm going to try and go light, not, uh, hopefully not have a problem. So it sounds like it's, it's in those details. So every second counts, and in putting yourself out there and putting yourself over the red line, red line and beyond, uh, for yeah, as long I as mean, you can go. Yeah, and I mean, it might not be. I mean, red line, I would think a lot of it's just more of an intense thing. But, I mean, it's really kind of like once you kind of get control of a race, kind of trying to maintain that control on the race and not really let other outside things kind of take that away and because then you kind of it messes with your head and um but yeah no it's uh but yeah so i mean i guess in the end it's really just um not wasting time and kind of being having your head in it till the end another question from from kevin what is the one thing that a first-time ita racer might not think of Oh, well, the first time I did this, I mean, uh, you look at maps, you look at course profiles and stuff, and you're like, oh, man, you leave Rhone, and it looks mostly flat. I mean, there's a couple little bumps out there, but, like, it's just going to be a fast cruise, and then you get out there. And I've, I've seen this on a lot of different areas, and, like, yeah, there's some hills out there, and, like, they take you by surprise. And so, I mean, I think just, like, not assuming what terrain is going to be um, is like just like you look at stuff on maps and like I'm big into checking stuff out and trying to figure out different areas before I get there and um, I mean, that was the biggest thing that took me by surprise is just like how rough some of that area is mm-hmm. and um, I think not a, it's really easy to assume and get in your head what you're getting into and 
Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing that throws me off the most is, I mean, I, I like to plan ahead and I like to know what's coming. And when I get to these areas that I'm not expecting and anticipating and they're totally blowing my mind because they're so much different than what I thought, um, that's kind of, I don't know, I guess the biggest part to me is kind of leaving your expectations pretty open on like what you're going to see and not be too locked in to not be too surprised anywhere on what you see out there because it's uh it's hard to know about any of that till you get there and um be ready for yeah. anything type of yeah thing. i mean really kind of like even if it looks flat like even riding on the river it's amazing how hilly like going up a river can be um just with the ice being jumbled and you're just like you get these crazy bumps and it's just up and down and up and down and it's not like you have any hills but it's just like you have these i don't know just it always blows my mind too you get on these big rivers and like you're going up and down the banks or something and Mm -hmm. like you're like oh i've got like 90 miles of flats and really you've got like I don't know. <laughs> like right, you feel it in, in in cycling. You feel every bit of that, and yeah. in the in a distance of three hundred and fifty miles, it it lasts a long time. That that feeling, right? Um, oh yeah. What tires did you run for this year's IT? Uh, I went with the Husker Dew. I think uh, most people are kind of starting to run the Husker Dew. I started, yeah, um, which I've been a fan of the new big four point eight since they came out last year. Um, as soon as I could get my hands on them, I started using them, and um, yeah, no, they uh, they've been awesome. They roll well and cool. Good when, yeah, you know, we just got a set. We just got a set, and uh, I'm looking forward to putting some miles in on those suckers. Yeah. So, uh, who do you think is your biggest competition? Uh, what other racer makes you create a game plan, or that is always in your mind? Uh, well, I mean, going into this, obviously, uh, JP, he's going to be on the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's got, what, 11 finishes now. Um, and so and then you got Quentin Hodges. and You kind of look at the top few guys from last year and Casey Tigerquist, and who I believe was sick this year. So he was kind of had a rough one. But um, there's you got those guys and then you look at uh guys on the start list like passenger Pete passenger and right. he's got 16 trips up that trail like he should know that thing better than anyone um and six and, wins yeah no it's crazy like it's just kind of insane like how many and he's not even that old um so i think there's just like you kind of maybe i mean you can't you figure out who's fast and then or who could potentially be there and i mean i do a little bit of um i don't know i mean people kind of use a similar racing style every year in these races and i mean you you see i mean jp he likes to as far as i can tell um he can put some pretty big efforts in and um I got my dog giving me a ball here. <laughs> oh, he won't release. There's always a chance okay. you'll hear a dog here too. <laughs> dog yeah. In the background, he's um, sleeping somewhere. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, it's really kind of getting. I mean, the game plan, I guess, is always like. I mean, you don't want to let people get away from you, and so I mean, I. And I'm kind of feeling like the the new guy here. So um, JP thought that, try to... thought that he had the tactic of sleeping that first night. Oh, no, I and, no, I didn't. I wasn't going to sleep. And he thought, well, we'll let the let you go, and that you would blow up. Uh, but you never I know, did. I was. I I felt really good, and like I was like, man, I I'm not sleepy at all right now, and. I just got to keep moving. And I figured if he catches me, it's, uh, he, I don't know, he had to work harder. And yeah. if I'm not riding super hard, I think he'll. We'll but, get into that yeah. a little bit because JP asked some questions. 
uh, but, yeah. further down our list. Uh, One last but, question from Kevin is you were a competitive cross-country skier from a very mm-hmm. young age and through your college, very, very competitive at the top levels. Would you consider skiing to McGrath? Oh, skiing to McGrath. So, well, I I mean, it's kind of in the family a little bit. Um, my father-in-law, uh, Bad Bob Baker, he, um, he actually skied to Nome back in the early days of I did a sport with uh, Tim Kelly. Um, wow. I think they're racing guys like uh, Rocky and, um, there was a really big event kind of put back in the maybe early nineties, um, where they were really like building it up against the bikers versus the skiers. And, um, so he was really involved with the early days of the sport. And he was always a really competitive cross country skier. Um, so, I mean, I've kind of, there's, there's that kind of connection on top of my own skiing past. Um, but really, I mean, I like to bike. Um, I was always a shorter distance uh, kind of sprint racer mm-hmm. um, and the longer distance ski stuff. I mean, I've done some longer trips, but uh, who knows? Not not anytime soon. <laughs> All right. Happen someday. Maybe when but, you're in your 80s. Yeah, no, there's time. I want to be doing this in 30 years, 40 That's years. Cool. Huh. So uh, our next set of questions comes to us from John Lackey. He was the, right. I think he was the 2015 ITI champ, yeah. champ. Record holder. Yeah, and he was out at uh, one of the checkpoints with Greg Mattis from Fatback Bikes, Tim Burnson, and Kevin Murphy, and Kevin Breitenbach. Uh, so he had these, this, uh, I think it was three questions from, from Mr. Lackey. So he said, as we were watching riders come on by the river at about the 80-mile point, you definitely look to be in the worst shape out of the front four. That'd be uh, Jay Peterberry, Clinton Hodges, Pete Bassinger, and yourself. He's, he asked then, how and when did you regroup, and how were you feeling when you set off alone from Finger Lake? Yeah, that's kind of a, a mystery to myself. Um, so, yeah, I started out, and then once we got on the rivers, like things are pretty well split apart and I felt like shit. Um, and I, I was really kind of struggling. I was feeling, I, mean, I had this headache going and sore throat. Um, I felt like I was having to push pretty hard just to stay with, uh, JP and, um, and Clinton, he was, it took him a little while to catch us when we were going up the Yentna and then we're all together at a checkpoint one at 60 miles. Um, and then leaving, I guess, yeah, leaving checkpoint one, um, I, I was really doubting myself a lot. Um, Jay had kind of taken off a little quicker than me and uh, Clinton and, um, and uh, like maybe five, 10 minutes before us. And then I went out the door with Clinton and we kind of got rolling and like, dude, I, I can't. I'm not going to chase him down. I don't really care right now. I don't know if I'm going to finish the race. I don't know if I'm like, I might just turn around in a couple of miles and like, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, I was really kind of battling my own demons and like, I don't know, my kids were coming off of two weeks of being sick and, um, I got a lot of like kind of self doubt going on and yeah, really it starts working not, on your brain. Right. Yeah, and so, like, I don't know, we go by where Lackey and Bernston and those guys are chilling, big, huge bonfire on the side of the river, and I don't know, it's maybe 10 at night or something when we're around there, and, like, I was, I just wanted to go and sit down and, like, call it, and, like, ah, but, like, all of a sudden I started to see, uh, starting to catch back up to Clinton, and, um, and just after I saw them, um, like everything turned around something, there's like a switch turned in my head and my body. And I was like, I was like a hundred percent. Um, I don't know, like eight hours in and things were all of a sudden everything was flying. Um, and I felt great when I got to, um, Swentna, 
when J, JP had gotten there maybe like 15, 20 minutes before us. And um, I pretty much got there with uh, Clinton and like, I just, I felt amazing. I pulled in there and got some food and um, yeah, no, I just, I felt like everything was clicking. And like at that point there was no doubt that I was going to keep going. And um, then I was, I was ready to go. And I don't know. It was kind of weird things just like, it was a kind of a, a pretty big shift in me for the whole race. It was so uh, between checkpoint one and two, life was hell, and then you hit checkpoint yeah. two, and all systems were go, huh? Yeah, I mean, it was like I was there was nothing wrong with me anymore. I didn't feel any of what I was feeling earlier. I don't, I don't know what happened, but um, it kind of got me going. So there, from that point on, you were out front kind of by yourself, right? Yeah, my my tracker wasn't working, so that kind of threw some people off. Uh Um, Yeah, I think the batteries were bad from the start, so there were a lot of people that didn't really know where I was. Uh Um, So, yeah, I guess, I don't know, I think there's maybe something from JP later down the road, so maybe I can go a little bit into... Sure. I won't go too far into this, but I guess going into leaving the Finger Lake, um, part of uh, John's question, um, and yeah, we're definitely surprised with how much uh, JP might have been sleeping and uh, with good trails. and um, Yeah, and I was going to leave, I, I got into Finger Lake, I think like 15 minutes or so ahead of Clinton, and um, so that's checkpoint three. Mm-hmm. Um so he got in and he's like, I'm going to go take a, like an hour nap. I'm like, what? Really? Like I'm, it's like almost seven in the morning. I'm going to like, I'm sun coming up. <laughs> uh, like I feel great. It's time to go. So, I mean, that was, I kind of start to get these hour chunks and it's like, Oh, well, there's an hour I've got there. And JP hadn't shown up yet. So I figured he had at least stopped for an hour and, um, yeah, and I was like, well, okay, I guess I got, uh, it's pretty, I really like to be off front on these races and just kind of doing my own thing. And, um, and I mean, you don't really know where other people really are, but I mean, I think if you hang out someplace for an hour and no one shows up and you can leave before they show up, um, you, you start to feel pretty good about it. Um, and I figured if someone caught me, like I wasn't going to ride easy enough to make it easy to catch me. I wasn't going to blow myself up, but, uh, yeah, I think with knowing that JP's chasing hard somewhere and if he catches me, he's going to, he would have had to ride really hard to catch up. Um, I felt pretty good about that because then he would be kind of blown up from catching up. Um, so I mean the plan from then on out was just like try and leave the next checkpoint before anyone else shows up kind of try and just keep that gap going because i mean you gotta stop somewhere for i mean if you're making food on the trail or whether you're even in checkpoints it's pretty hard to i think keep it less than an hour if you're gonna put your feet up for a couple minutes and eat some food um so i was just kind of going with going off of that when i left the, the second checkpoint and or third checkpoint whatever um but yeah so it was um, I don't know. I, I like to kind of head off alone off the front, and it was working into my evolving plans. Right, and it sounds like you're comfortable in that position because a lot of people, a lot of the next question is, you know, that was a long solo ride out there. How did you hold it together? Um, did you consider stopping, and did you have any idea what the gap was back to Jay? Um, yeah, I mean, that's like, I mean, I... I feel like I'm in control, I guess, when I'm off the front alone. And like, I, like, I know my riding ability. And if I, if I feel like I'm riding hard enough to make it like, I mean, there's, yeah, if if someone catches me while we're riding, like I'm going to make them work for it. And uh, so, I mean, I was pretty comfortable and um, yeah. And I, I mean, just, the stopping and resting. Um, I had hit the checkpoints and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm sitting here for 45 minutes and I don't really feel like resting. And, um, 
Although I, I did take a 15 minute nap in uh, the the Rainy Pass Lodge and the and the let's see, maybe checkpoint four um, in the little hunter's cabin there, it was uh, that that actually felt pretty good. Um, but yeah, I was still out of there in an hour, and it was just, I don't really. I mean, if I'm gonna rest, I would need to be here for hours, and I'm not gonna. I don't feel like I need that. So, in the middle of the day, I have a hard time sleeping. So, it's like, eh, just if I can take off to the pass right now, and no one else is here yet, so I'm gonna go. Cool. So this is the first of uh, many mentions of your footwear choice. Uh, John oh, yeah, asks, yeah. He says was. Minus 15 Fahrenheit when they saw you on the river. Uh, how did you ride in the Wolfhammers uh, and the lightweight pogies? Uh, he says they had a lengthy discussion where uh, they, they concluded that Fairbanks folds are just a little special. Yeah, um, I, I went back and forth on that decision. I mean, tons, maybe a dozen times a lot, a couple of the days leading up to the race, and just like the night before, I, I mean, I was totally undecided. I mean, I've got the Wolfhammer and the Wolfgar from 45 North kind of ready to go, and I think most people going into that race, or I mean, if they're not gonna, that's not even a question. Um, like there, there is no debate there. You go with the warmer boot. Um, but the warmer boot, in my opinion, and the wolf guard's heavy and um, the weather forecast. I mean, you don't really want to rely on the weather forecast too much, but it really wasn't looking that cold. And in my experience, like as long as I keep my heart rate up, my feet stay warm. And um, so, and when I saw those guys in that first night, like my feet were totally fine. Um, like I, I had energy and I keep my heart rate up and, um, so basically, I've found that if I keep my heart rate over 110 beats a minute, I can pretty much keep my extremities warm. Um, so, I mean, I was pretty confident and just like being able to ride hard enough to stay warm. And I mean, the first day and a half or so, it was it was fine. And I uh, and pogies, my pogies are actually pretty warm. They're uh, um, my my dad owns a, a sewing shop here in Fairbanks, and uh-huh. there are some uh, I kind of modified from what they do there, uh, apocalypse design. But um, but anyways, yeah. So my feet, it was kind of a little bit of a risk. I knew, but I mean, I was like saving two pounds because they're the older wolf hammers. Too. Mm-hmm. They're not, um, so they're actually a fair bit lighter than the newer ones. Um, and it's like, man, if we're it's just, I can, I feel like I can ride so much more comfortably in the, the lighter weight boots and the really kind of a risk I was willing to take. And for the most part, it paid off. I mean, I did, I got pretty cold that second night. I was, I was coming apart and I couldn't keep my heart rate up anymore. And I was just having trouble with, you know, the, the sleep monster and just, uh, everything it was i mean it was about the same temperature again that second night and uh yeah i was everything was coming apart i couldn't really stay on the trail anymore and i kept on like falling off my bike and um and that's where yeah i don't i don't think there's any real damage done but uh it, it wasn't all that pleasant <laughs> um, so uh the next set of questions is from the one and only Jay Peterberry. Um, mm-hmm. Jay uh, Jay's sent back an email, and he he wanted to congratulate you and wish you luck in the White Mountains 100. Um, Jay's personality comes through even in the email. So uh, hmm. uh, he writes one one of the things. We'll 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 stick to the to the shoes for one more second. Uh, and yep. kind of go out of order here. Uh, he asked about how your feet were, and it, if you did get any frostbite. Um, he said there was talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, frostbite. there, there. I mean, there's no major damage. I definitely am pretty much healed up now. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty close to being a more serious problem. Yeah. Um, it, uh, there was a little bit of maybe blackness coming, but. 
Um, that seems to have taken care of itself pretty well now. Um, I was a little worried when I got to Nikolai. Well, actually, I didn't really realize it was that bad in Nikolai. It was mostly when I got to the finish and like, oh, I guess I was cold and some of the pain I was feeling you know, warming up between uh, Nikolai and the finish. Um, but they're, yeah, I mean, they're I, well I, equipped at the finish to give you treatment, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I was pretty sure it wasn't too bad from the ways out. And I, I had to stop and do a bunch of running and just, um, just getting into Nikolai just to see if I can kind of warm myself up. And, and I, yeah, being coming apart the way I was, I mean, I was, um, I, I think it could have been worse. But uh, I think I got lucky there, and nothing. Uh, yeah, my feet were pretty swollen up for a few days afterwards. But I mean, all that's kind of taken care of itself now, and I'm back to back to putting those boots on again. Right on. So, so I think I'm good. So Jay uh, says, when I slipped away from the table at the. Went a second checkpoint in mile 90 and went to sleep without saying anything. What were your and Clinton's thoughts and conversations? Well, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, I guess I didn't realize right away that he had gone to sleep. I mean, I kind of saw him putting his stuff to the side next to the wood stove there, and we were all pretty happy with our, eating our food and stuff. And, um, I don't know. I and mean, if I figured he was just putting his feet up somewhere for a few minutes in a quiet spot so he can get some quality rest. And I mean, we definitely, I didn't think he would be sleeping for hours, but apparently he was. Um, and it's like, all right, well, I mean, I'm going to leave and I don't see Jay anywhere, but I mean, if I'm leaving now, he just, I mean, if he's sleeping and I'm riding, I feel pretty good about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I think it's, I, I mean, I, yeah, he was, uh, he threw me off a little bit because I, I didn't think it was, uh, yeah, sleeping for that. Um, yeah, no, it's like, ah, I figured he's just going to be on the way in a few minutes and if I can get a few minutes on him right now. It's like, ah, oh, that'd be good and who knows um so did you and clinton have a have a thought about like hey he's laid down did you have that conversation of let's let's blow now and put some time into him or was um, it just all the unspoken well he's down and yeah. i'm going i mean i think it's at least for me it's like okay i'm gonna keep the pressure on him when he wakes up and i'm um, i mean who knows how like, i don't know how long he's gonna sleep and i didn't assume it yeah and it's like yeah he's probably only a few minutes here, maybe less than an hour. He should be uh, within an hour. He should be on the trail behind me, and if I can do, I mean, I should be up to ten miles up the trail by the time he gets going, and that's mm-hmm. pretty huge. So that's kind of and that was at the at the far. point where you were starting to feel better, right? Where that, that's right where I started to actually feel good. So yeah, I was I was ready to go. There was no resting in my plan. So, yeah, so. He, his next question kind of says, addresses how not knowing what how long he slept, how that affected your your mindset. And he, he says, is it what, did you feel like no worries, pretty confident, running scared? It sounds like you were pretty confident at that point. Pretty, yeah, but there's always an element of running scared. Like, I mean, when someone like, like Jay there, when – when he's doing, when he's going to sleep like that, like, does he know something that we don't know? Or, I mean, and there's a number of reasons you would do that. And I mean, whether you're just like feeling crappy and you really need like to sleep or you're just like hoping it pays off later. Or, um, but yeah, I mean, not really knowing how far back he is. And, um, but on the other hand, no one kind of, and knowing how I was feeling, it was like, yeah, he's gonna, he's, he's gonna have to work hard to catch me now. Um, and I knew that first night, that, and there's no chance I was gonna sleep at that point. And 
Um, His tactic was, we kind of mentioned it earlier, is that he wanted to sleep that first night and put a little rest in the bank in hopes. And he really thought that out of Rhone, you would you would blow up without the sleep. Um, yeah, I was kind of worried about that too. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was... Um, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that question kind of comes up again later, but um, that that really kind of is the crux of the race um, in terms of um, going from Rhone to Nikolai, and it happens to be through night two, and um, especially on a faster year, like you're going all night, um, and it's really dark and it's really lonely. Um, it starts getting a little cold and, um, that trail kind of starts eating away on you when you're tired. And, um, I mean, I was, I left Rhone with the mindset that I'm, I'm not going to stop. I'm, I'm getting to Nikolai no matter what there. I'm, I'm going to do whatever I can to get to Nikolai. I'm not really, I wasn't planning on, and I was pretty confident that I was going to get there without any problems and just kind of keep moving all night and um so yeah i mean it was i mean i was definitely blowing up but i think everyone kind of was um kind of looking at trackers and talking to people later i mean clinton had his own kind of boot issues with getting some water in there and some frozen feet um and uh but yeah i mean once that second night of no sleep starts getting you um everyone you're going to struggle and i think you kind of it's a very i don't know it's kind of a, a personal uh fight um but yeah i mean i kind of pulled through and i 30 miles out of nikolai i was i was hurting pretty bad and um like feeling sleepy pretty early on that night mm-hmm. and i was kind of a little worried about that um but yeah i mean that kind of everything started coming down with my feet being cold and um but yeah i mean it was i mean i figured just keep moving and i mean you're always kind of looking back and at least at night you can see if there's lights behind you um before they get to you so it's not like you're surprised and um no i was looking back all night figuring that i was blowing up and maybe they weren't and especially with that sleep that i mean i know he was chasing and um but i did get 45 minutes of sleep in nikolai and that like turned my day around i was i felt great after that um whatever 45 minutes minutes can give you but that was pretty much the the bulk of my sleep for the race and um i think i got to nikolai and it's like oh i think uh they're they're maybe like three hours out it looks like so i've I've got time to relax here and kind of get myself regrouped and get to the finish and um yeah so i was feeling and it's still like another eight hours to get to the finish um so i mean there's a lot that can happen so it's like you're still not comfortable with where things are at but things are feeling pretty good cool um so jay also kind of ends his questions with how do you how you felt about this year overall like it's obviously a very fast year yeah i mean i my perspective is i mean the only times i've done it are people have gone under two days so um i don't really have a lot of experience on that race on slower conditions so i mean i i guess i have a completely different perspective on the what to I mean just really what you're going to see out there and when you get to different checkpoints and rest needs um so I mean for me well I mean for one I think um it, it was overall it was pretty awesome like we had hardly walk at all which I think is pretty major on a race like that um and just like perfectly beautiful sunshine and hardly any wind and just all the things that Jay kind of mentions, like it's just, um, yeah, I mean, there's, 
it was nothing was truly slow, but it was definitely kind of a grind for a lot of it. Nothing was really all that fast either. So I think it was kind of this high power output like most of the way. And um, so it was just kind of good traveling. Um, and so, I mean, that was, I mean, I, I thought it was great. Um, I also think like pretty much any race can be hard. Um, I mean, it was, it was definitely hard. I'm not going to say it was like I was, it was just a breeze and I just flow, like just kept going. I mean, I, I, it was a, a battle within myself for a lot of the second half because it's like, eh, it's lonely. And um, I don't know, I feel like almost any race distance, you're going to, kind of at least mentally i find like it could be a, a 10 mile road race and you're going to get to seven miles and you're going to think it's one of the i mean if you're going all out you're gonna it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done and your initial like just in the moment perspective mm-hmm. um but this I is think, a this is a two day duration and well, endurance. Yeah, and I, it's the life it's the lifespan of a TC fly, right? And as opposed to you know a ten mile criterium that ha- happens I, but I think in faster. Like in your in your head, you kind of that perspective changes, and like so, I I feel like it's I don't really start to. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's going to be hard. It's going to be, but I feel like you kind of push out that um, that fatigue and just kind of, I don't know, everything kind of changes. And um, like I always, it's probably like 80% of the race until I start to feel like I want to be done. And no matter what the distance is, like, like there's a certain point where I feel like I'm ready to get to the finish. And I think that changes no matter, I mean, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to feel that at eight miles into this race. And um, I don't know, I guess it's kind of hard to explain how I think that perspective kind of changes in your, just as you go. And, um, but. uh, Right. You just don't know until you get there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think you just kind of, I mean, you, you know, you have this, 300 and whatever miles to do um and you know you have to get there and you're not like you're going to be in the game for until you're at the finish line and i think it's not really um i think the distance isn't really the yeah i don't know i think i'm my my thoughts are scattered now, and now I don't really know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> well, let's let's bring you back to. But it's all it's kind of philosophical in, in my own mind on kind of how just how your mind deals with different distances, and I think you kind of you adapt it, you adapt your mindset to whatever distance you have to tackle, and and then you go after it, and um, and everything. Like any race can be hard, and any race you're gonna be. Um, I would hope if you if you're trying hard and you're putting it all out there, I and mean, you're gonna be it's gonna be hard, and you're gonna feel like it was hard, and that's kind of the way I feel. And then if you win, it's the best ever. Yeah, no, I mean it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it all it was worth it, I guess. So we have a question from a reader, Betsy Williford from okay. Colorado. Excellent. She asks if you plan if you have any plans to race to Nome, the thousand mile. Idi. Yeah, I mean it's definitely in the in the long term plans. Um, I I really I mean I have I have the bug. I want to go to Nome really bad. Um, currently, it's definitely hard on the family. I've got a, a two year old and a well, she's five, almost six year old um, at home, and I mean my job. I can't really take off for a month, and um, so I mean there's factors like that that really kind of make it not so good right now but I think once I get my kids into school both of them and um kind of I don't know I mean you can always make time but um make it work out but I think uh, a few more years and I want to kind of keep expanding my experience and that kind of stuff and then I'll be I'll be ready for Gnome cool so, so uh the last question that we have for you is, what do you think is the hardest part 
of this ITI 350 race? Um, well, I guess, I mean, there's, um, there's a couple different things that could be considered the hardest part. I mean, initially when I saw the question, it was like, okay, what's the hardest part of the course? Like what, what kind of makes you worry the most? And Mm -hmm. I mean, that, I kind of go back to that night two or getting from Rhone to Nikolai. And, um, you know, I've kind of always looked at that as like one single, like I'm going to go the whole way in one shot and I'm not stopping. And, um, but then, I mean, you, you think about like, I mean, that's all, that's kind of short term stuff where like on the longer term and your preparation for getting ready for these races, I mean, you have a lot of like back and forth with yourself on like what gear you're going to take and just like, I mean, making those decisions on, uh, whether it's your boots or like, Oh, what, what food, what sleeping bag, you get all these little tiny decisions that you have to like make a final decision on. And I think that's like by probably the hardest part is just getting to the start line and and then like being and once you start you're you're good like you just go you you have a job to do and you, you do it um and that's the kind of like, stuff oh, that uh that being in getting back to our back to the first question is the advantage of living in Fairbanks is you have people that you can bounce your questions off of like Kevin Breitenbach and say, should I bring the tarp or should I bring, you know, all, all of those questions, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I was kind of talking to Kevin a couple of days before the race and I'm like, Oh, I might not even take the sleeping bag. And he's like, Oh man, I better not talk to you anymore about uh, (laughs) going light. (laughs) And uh, I haven't taken one, but uh, I mean, it was like, I didn't take my thicker one, which I mean, if, yeah, and there's, and I think that's really kind of for me. Like, it's just leading up to the race. You're so stressed on like what stuff you're, just gear and nutrition stuff, and just I, uh, I mean, then you start to like doubt your training, and there's just so many little things that kind of come together to make for anyone doing these races and events um, that you got to kind of pull together and. And that's um, where guys like Jay and uh, Pete Bassinger, who have done the event so many times, maybe, you know, have a better idea of that mental game. But, and you and your second time beat those guys. It's still going to be, I mean, I'm sure that everyone's still stressing over it. But, I mean, yeah, if you can basically just show up and and you don't have to think about it a whole lot, or, I mean, everyone's different on what they, um, what they need in terms of just in their thought process. And I mean, I know there's some people out there that can basically just like, I don't know, they can think about it for an hour and they're probably ready to go. And then you got people that are brewing over it for a year and they're still undecided and, um, and different personalities are going to tackle that problem a lot differently. But yeah, no, I mean, it makes a huge difference if you've been through it enough times that it's like, uh, you just, you don't really have to think a lot about those things. And, There's I still mean, a lot year. of logistical yeah, yeah. stuff that, uh, you, you know, all all those drop bags have to get to all those checkpoints. And, uh, yeah. So it's yeah, a, it's no, a complex mean, problem. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, you kicked its ass this year. <clears throat> uh, so congrats yeah, to that. Good. And, yeah. uh, before I let you go, is there uh, are there sponsors or uh, or somebody uh, that you'd well, like to thank for I mean, for this year? I mean, really, you gotta kind of the wife and the family are kind of number one on just making anything happen. I mean, um, with our parents and um, my wife letting me actually go out and do some of these long rides that I like to do, and I mean, there's always more gear to buy and. So, I mean, there's kind of a, it's pretty direct. Um, I mean, you got to have a, a good relationship with uh, figuring all that out with your family. And um, and then uh, Goldstream Sports, where I work, is, I mean, I'm the kind of manager, buyer, and whatever, do it all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my boss there, Joel, he's, he's been really supportive of awesome. whatever That's... I want to do. And 
Goldstream Sports uh, in Fairbanks, Alaska. Right? Yeah, we uh, do. Uh, so that that works pretty well. And um, of course, nine zero seven and Jamie and for um, the awesome bikes out of Anchorage. And I mean, they've uh, have been riding for these guys for a while now. You were um, riding a uh, a new Lynx, or were you on? Uh, yep. Yep. No, uh, nice uh, neon yellow Lynx, which is uh, pretty. It's been a sweet bike. Um, cool. I've had it for just over a year now, and yeah, it's, uh, it's been amazing. And whose bags do you uh, have? Well, um, I have, I actually make my own frame bags, and uh, cool. Let's see. There's another bag on there that I made. Um, I mean, yeah. So Apocalypse Design is kind of my my dad's. Uh, sewing shop here in Fairbanks and um, so I mean it's kind of a family business and I've been um, I'm getting more involved and in starting to sew more of my own stuff um, so yeah I mean there I've got my pogies I'm kind of working on redesigning my frame bags I'm kind of starting to make more of and um, I think that was my third or fourth frame bag I've made for myself and um, and then I don't know it's hard to beat the, the Revel 8 seat bag and um, the feed bags and the, the top two bags there, but uh, otherwise, yeah, no, kind of, yeah, I like I like making stuff. Well, cool. Anybody else that you'd like to uh, give a mention to? <clears throat> well, I think that uh, I mean, there's just uh, that, that mostly covers it. I think for the and there's kind of all kinds of people out there that kind of help you figure stuff out, but I think they probably know who they are. Well, thank you very much for being a guest on our show, Tyson. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for allowing me to talk about the race a little bit and relive some of it. It's, uh, it all went by so fast. It's kind of hard to remember what happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, we really, really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your thoughts with our listeners. And uh, we wish you luck. Are you gonna ra- Are you gonna race the White Mountains One Hundred? Yep. Yep, so it should be uh, coming up in just over a week here. Watch out awesome. for that uh, wild Michigander, the the Wolverine. Um, I, uh, I've been hearing Jordan. a little bit about about Jordan here, and I think Jordan it's going to be pretty pretty exciting. Um, I think it's definitely going to keep the keep the race on its toes, and I can't imagine he's not going to have a huge impact on this year's race. Yeah, I know that um, the, the, we could make fun of all and make a big deal of the competition, but I know you guys will, like, welcome him. Uh, Alaskans are just the most generous and the best hosts ever. Uh, I'll so, give him a good tour of the White Mountain. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again. But, yeah, no, thank you. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll talk again sometime. Sounds good. You're welcome anytime. All right, cool. Have a good one. That is our show, and we hope that you can join us on April 28th for the Rockin' Beach Funduro in Port Washington. Let's uh, ride some bikes on the beach and have some fun. We'll see you down the trail, amigos.